Channel Attitude subscribers, we will be rolling out an upgrade to our site in the near future to improve site performance and your experience. So sometime within the next few weeks, you will receive an email requesting you to recreate your password for the upgraded site. To ensure this email doesn't go to your spam folder, please whitelist info at channelattitude.com. That's info at channelattitude.com. RSS feed URLs may change for some of you. If that happens, you can grab the new one in your dashboard when the upgrade goes live. Your feedback and suggestions have helped shape this upgrade, so keep those coming in the future. And again, the email is info at channelattitude.com to whitelist or add to your address book. Be on the lookout for that email over the next few weeks. This is Channel Attitude, your voice, your right, your freedom. This is Vince Russo's The Brand. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to an all-new episode of the Talks with Taylor Hendricks podcast with yours truly exclusively on Russo'sBrand.com with Channel Attitude. Today I am joined by none other than Sally Sausage here who has been snuggling up with mommy pretty much all day. We had a very um, intense last 24 to uh, like 58 hours, um, give or, no, 24 to like 40 hours. Um, I had a family emergency, so everyone on Cameo that resubmitted your Cameo, I just want to say thank you so much. That came in at clutch. And all of you that are listening to my podcast a day late, I just want to say thank you for all of your patience. Um, that's one of the things I love about Russo's brand is when anything, you know, unexpected really comes up, this team is really just there for you in a time of need. I don't know what's going on with my headphones right now, so that is a little disturbing. Uh, but we are going to continue on nonetheless. I do apologize in advance for the background noise. It's actually like 102, almost 104, uh, where I'm parked right now with my tiny house. So it is necessary. Like the AC today is absolutely necessary. So I do apologize. Um, hopefully, uh, Jeff, who is the amazing techie on the back end of all the stuff going on with Russo's brain, I really hope he can come in, uh, you know, for me yet again. He is just the tech savvy person I usually go to with things like this. So hopefully he can take care of that for you guys. I try to give you guys quality content with everything that I do with the Taylor Hendricks stamp of approval. So um, do bear with me. I can not control the weather like the federal government. So, <laughs> you know, I digress. Um, today we, <laughs> I throw shade. Oh, me. <laughs> today we are going to have a brand new Hollywood news update. We are also going to do a world news update. We haven't done one of those in a hot minute. Uh, we also got a fun fact for you guys, as well as a brand new um, edition of Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, they decided to score some interesting films, so I'm going to read those for you guys, um, as well as some motivation to continue through the week. So without further ado, let's get right down to it with Hollywood news. Here we go. Um, DC Studios with James Gunn and Peter Safran as the co-CEOs for DCEU, the DC Extended Universe for DC Studios. They have finally cast their Clark Kent and Lois for their upcoming film, 
Superman Legacy. Uh, Superman Legacy is slated to be one of the first official DCEU feature films that, that is going to happen post uh, The Flash. And why I say post The Flash is because this is coming after The Flash film reset the entire DC Extended Universe to get rid of all of the craziness um, that the DCEU became with all kinds of different projects, all kinds of different directors, uh, different actors playing the same role in all kinds of stuff that was really, really confusing for the casual viewer. So this is coming uh, in at a very, very good time. Superman Legacy has officially cast David Cornsweet and Rachel Brosnahan for Superman and, well, I should say Clark Kent. And Lois, this is going to be a uh, workplace origin story, courtesy of James Gunn. Um, and he also, as we talked about last week, he said that once their their production of Superman Legacy is finished, we are going to uh, be seeing the go-ahead for Peacemaker 2, uh, being directed by, I believe, James Gunn and starring none other than John Cena. Um, let me see here. On the Star Wars side of news, I definitely wanted to share this story because I thought it was really cool, especially because I had no idea that this um, article was even missing. So here we go. After almost 40 years of a particular dress worn by Carrie Fisher, so apparently for 40 years, people thought like this, this article of clothing, this like iconic item was just completely missing. Well, it was apparently found in an attic in London and spent over eight months worth of efforts to restore the garment. This was, you know, before they decided to really um, hold on to a lot of iconic pieces from the, the cult classic Star Wars. So apparently in 1990, uh, not 1997, in 1977, I apologize, in 1977, Carrie Fisher wore an iconic dress that was seen in the final scene of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. And this dress you see Carrie Fisher wearing in 1977 was the dress where she is handing out the medals. The, uh, it was basically the medal ceremony where she hands out medals uh, to Luke Skywalker and Han Solo for uh, them defeating the Death Star. Um, so that was literally such an iconic scene because it's like the last featured scene of um, episode four. Uh, well, they found it. It went through over eight months of restoration with people trying to eliminate the dust, the particles, uh, all the stitching from open and pop seams and all kinds of stuff. It is officially going on auction as of June 28th. The, the bidding will end and it's currently at $750,000. Um, and it is estimated that it could be up for auction at over $2 million to the right bidder. Uh, happy bidding. Uh, but see, that's super cool. Um, I had no idea. Very similar to the uh, report that we talked about a couple weeks ago with the ruby slippers being stolen from the museum and they're now officially found. Well, this is kind of very, you know, a, an adjacent story of a cult classic and items because there's only four ruby slippers left from the entire production of The Wizard of Oz. So it's really, really cool that they actually randomly found uh, her dress from this film in a London attic. Who knew? I want to buy up like all of the old houses and just go through all the, <laughs> all the bones of the houses and see what you find. You never know. All right. While um, advertising Extraction 2 for Netflix, uh, the director Sam um, Hargrave and Chris Hemsworth himself actually announced that Extraction 3 will officially be on the books and happening. Uh, they made this announcement while in Sao Paulo, Brazil. So that is super cool. Extraction 2 is available now. All right, heading into what I announced in the beginning portion is Rotten Tomatoes. I have a very interesting relationship with Rotten Tomatoes. I seem to not agree. I, 
I disagree with them more often than I agree with them, but I want to hear from you guys. So apparently with all of the, with the new Flash film coming out and kind of underwhelming people with its performance in the box office, uh, the new co-CEOs for DC Comics and just all the stuff surrounding the DCEU, Rotten Tomatoes decided to release their scores for all the DC films. So here we go. They are as follows. I want to know, do you agree or disagree? Some of these I think were a little shady, but I want to hear from you. Okay, starting off, we've got Man of Steel. They rated this at 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, 29%, one of the lowest scores on this whole list. Suicide Squad, 26% coming with the lowest score. Uh, Wonder Woman, 93%. Justice League, 39%. Aquaman, 65%. Shazam, 90%. Birds of Prey, 79%. I thought that one was interesting. Wonder Woman, 1984, 58%. Zack Snyder's Justice League, 71%. And The Suicide Squad, 90%. Black Adam, 38%. And then Shazam, Fury of the Gods, 49%. And of course, The Flash with 66%. I want to hear from you. Do you agree with those scores? And what about what about some of the missing films here? I, I want to hear from you. Do you agree? Um, next up is another list of tops here. We've got this one from Screen Rant. And I, I, uh, I have some questions. Very similar to last week when we talked about the top 15 films of Keanu Reeves. I have questions like in this one as well. So Screen Rant, I um, had some Sally Fur here. <laughs> Thanks so much, sweet girl. She decided to take a snooze because it's like really hot. <laughs> um, Screen Rant apparently rated the top 15 early to mid 2000s kids cartoons that you would have seen on like rockin' Saturday mornings and so forth. So um, I have some questions, but all of my, you know, uh, millennial babies out there and all of my early Gen Z, Gen Zers, I want to hear from you guys. What did you think about this list? Because some of them I was like, oh yeah. And then others I was like, what the heck is this? So maybe it was just past my time. I don't know. Coming in at number 15 is Phineas and Fur from 2007 to 2015. I actually really did like Phineas and Fur, but I'm not going to lie. Coming in at number 14 was House of Mouse from 2001 to 2003. Coming in at number 13, I did like this one. The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy from 2001 to 2007. Coming in at number 12, I have never heard of this. Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Yeah, no idea. It was from 2004 to 2009. Coming in at number 11, guys, The Shade. The Shade on this one. Like, shame on you, Screen Rant. Coming in at number 11, in the number 11 position for the top 15 childhood uh, kid shows from the early to mid-2000s is Spongebob. How do you do Spongebob dirty like that? So they rate Spongebob uh, from 1999 to present. So shady. <laughs> Coming in at number 10 was X-Men Evolution from 2000 to 2003. You've got number nine is, I've never heard of it, Duck Dodgers from 2003 to 2005. The fact that this rates higher than Spongebob, like, I don't know, makes my blood boil, I guess. Coming in at number eight, I have heard of it, did not watch it though, was Invader Zim from 2001 to 2006. Coming in at number seven was kind of cute, I'm not going to lie, uh, but I definitely don't think it should be rated higher than Spongebob. Coming in at number seven is Teen Titans from 2003 to 2006. Coming in at number six was the, was the Spectacular Spider-Man from 2008 to 2009. 
Number five in the top 15 is Wolverine and the X-Men from 2008 to 2009. Coming in at number four is Justice League. I did like Justice League. Uh, this was from 2001 to 2004. Coming in at number three was uh, Mega's um, XLR from 2004 to 2005. Never heard of it. Coming in at number uh, two in the top 15 kids, uh, kids shows from the early uh, to mid 2000s is Star Wars Clone Wars from 2003 to 2005. And rounding out in the number one position of the top 15 kids shows from the early to mid 2000s is Avatar The Last Airbender airing from 2005 to 2008. Guys, I want to hear from you. Do you agree with this list? How would you rate this list? Do you agree with Screen, with screen Rant? Are they, are they like spot on with this? And what the heck is Duck Dodgers? I think I'm approaching that geriatric millennial. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We are uh, going to move right along. Um, we are going to skip one of these just to make sure we have time for everything today. Um, we are, make sure you guys head on over to my YouTube channel because later this week I'm going to be giving you guys um, the top 20 biggest box office bombs of all time. I am also going to be uh, doing some more um, content as well, including more safety tips like we talked about last week on, these, on this podcast and more, including an exclusive merchandise sale it's specifically for all my fans on my YouTube channel and fans that were live at Lucha Patron uh, two weeks ago. So definitely hit the subscribe button on my YouTube channel. Now we're going to head into some world news. We're going to be going around the globe. We're going to be stopping in Ireland. We are going to be stopping in Finland let's see Italy um, Spain Peru and so much more so let's get our passports ready on this I am so corny uh, but I make no apologies for it like I love being corny and I love corny uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I love my dad so much we're always like giving like dad jokes back to each other and we just drive my mom crazy so uh, I will always be my most authentic self. I love it. I will make no apologies. So bring on the corny, get your passports ready as I almost knocked down one of my lighting rigs. It has been one of those kinds of days, um, just crazy. So the first stop we are going to make is Ireland. Um, in case you guys missed this, this is some interesting news. I definitely think that this is really cool. Scotland is doing something very, very similar, with, but with only particular castles, whereas Ireland is talking actual islands. So here we go. What does that mean? Let's dive right on in. Ireland is willing to pay you up to $90,000 to move to one of their islands and inhabit it, as well as a grant of up to $92,000 total for you to uh, refurbish um, uh, derelict homes. Um, I think this is so crazy cool. Um, talk about starting a new life, but if you're prepared for it, a lot of these are Gaelic speaking islands and they're trying to just keep the population up and keep the heritage going. And I think that that's super amazing. Um, for more information on this, you can go to this super long website. I'm going to read it out to you. You can put this on replay in case you are super interested. You are going to go to, and this is all one, by the way. So here we go. Gov.ie slash en slash policy dash information slash a seven one eight eight dash hour dash living dash islands slash hashtag. 
talk about somebody needs like better work on their website. Um, but that is the website I was able to copy and paste for you guys. If you want more information on the movement from Ireland called Our Living Islands, gov.ie slash en slash policy dash information slash a seven one eight eight dash hour dash living dash islands slash hashtag. Moving right along, the next stop we're going to make is Italy. Italy boasts this crazy cool, really expensive restaurant called Solo Perdue, and it basically means just for two. And that isn't something, you know, a cute little saying. No, it literally is literal. Um, their restaurant is boasts being the world's smallest restaurant where it has only seating for two. It is a very romantic, very high-end posh space where two guests get a view of an ancient Roman villa to go with fine, their fine dining experience of these super fluffed up chairs, fireworks, flaming outdoor candles, and so much more. If you want champagne or the world's top wines and flowers, that'll cost you extra. Dining here... I apologize again with my headphones being weird. I don't know. They have a mind of their own today. Um, the dinner will get you at least a minimum of $500. So not only is it the world's smallest restaurant, it is also going to cost you a pretty penny. But this sounds absolutely adorable. Next stop is Finland. Um, I am really starting to enjoy Finland. Growing up, I actually knew a wrestler who was wrestling in New England who was from Finland. Um, so he was actually like a dual citizen. So it was really cool. Um, apparently in Finland, the island of, hopefully I'm saying this right, Ulko Tamio in Finland is encouraging its tourists to, you know, put their phone away and be present in the moment. I think this is actually pretty cool considering that, you know, today's generations are all about, you know, if you don't post about it, did it happen? Well, Finland is trying to challenge that and make people live more in the moment and be present in the world instead of being, being addicted to their phone. They are actually declaring themselves a phone-free zone. Um, for in case you are interested and you can find out more information, you can look up Ulco Temio, U-L-C-O-T-A-M-M-I-O in Finland. Really kind of cool. Next stop is a trip around the world. In case you weren't already exhausted by Ireland, Italy, <coughs> and Finland, I have what is referred to as the Oscars of the fine dining world. Um, apparently there is a list every year that is the top 50 best restaurants awards and they go around the world finding the best restaurants and putting them on the top 50 list and giving them an award. This is really, really cool. The list was recently debuted and released here in Valencia, Spain, and it boasts the 50 best restaurants from, um, over 24 territories on five continents with 12 restaurants making their first ever appearance on this list. So a huge congratulations. Um, and what's very, very interesting is this year is the first year that Lima, Peru earned more slots than any other city on the list. <coughs> um, they are in the number one position, spoiler alert, um, and they're in the number six, 28th, and 47 on this list. No other city was able to get four. One city came close, being London, which had three restaurants appear on the top 50 list, but they were one spot short of tying Lima, Peru. <coughs> Coming in at number one is a, um, a restaurant called Central, and it is in Lima, Peru, and they are the number one top restaurant in the world. Um, also making their, uh, their, uh, 
not making, but also on the list are Barcelona, Spain, uh, which has Disfrutar, and we've got Lido 84 in Gardone Riviera, Italy. You've also got Table by Bruno Verhoffs in Paris. Paris got four slots in this top 50 list. Italy got five slots, London three, Bangkok two, and New York two. What's really, really cool is um, one of the winners in New York is actually labeled the highest climber on the list. They went from number 33 in the top 50 in 2022 to number eight in the 2023 list. So that's a huge congratulations to everyone working at Atomics in New York. If you wanna stop by there and see exactly why they made on the top 50 best restaurants around the world, you can go over to A-T-O-M-I-X and eat some food and find out for yourself. Um, really, really cool. The other restaurant from New York that made it onto the list was uh, Le Bernardine. So super cool. Also places making onto the list were Brazil, Dubai, Mexico, Singapore, Denmark, Austria, Argentina, Japan, Portugal, Switzerland, Chile, Sweden, Slovenia, Colombia, Belgium, Germany, China, and more. Really, really cool. So huge congratulations to everybody involved. That is super awesome. And for anybody who wants to uh, check out the full list in its entirety, you can go to a much better website here, theworlds50best.com for the full list. And I say happy eating. <laughs> um, that is the world news for this week. We made some really epic stops, including Ireland, Italy, Brazil, and so much more. Now we're going to head into a fun fact. Um, I wanted to bring this back this week because I think those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it and be taken advantage of. And sometimes it's really nice to understand where the world is at today and how we got there. So today's fun fact for this podcast is seven accidental historical findings and inventions that we know today. Here we go. Fun fact. Uh, penicillin it was an accidental historical finding. Apparently, it all started with a dirty petri dish that was discovered in a lab after somebody went on vacation. Uh, that is the discovery of the modern antibiotic today known as penicillin. Number two, smoke detectors. Uh, this, the invention of the smoke detector was actually an accident. A scientist was actually trying to create this poisonous gas detector and apparently he was smoking a cigarette and the cigarette set off the alarm because it was triggered by the smoke from the cigarette. And that is how we got uh, smoke detectors. Um, number three is Velcro. Velcro was something that was created after this guy and his dog went for a walk and they got all of these like thistles types of things stuck on the fur of the dog and on his pants and shoes and so forth. And he created Velcro wanting it to be a part of the fashion industry, but actually failed and was adopted by by NASA and NASA took it by storm so much so that people actually thought NASA invented it when in fact they didn't. Uh, number four is dynamite. The guy that actually discovered the compounds for dynamite actually was not happy about this discovery and invention because of the implications for dynamite. Um, and one of the guys involved actually created the Nobel Peace Prize in case you did not know. Uh, the fifth uh, accidental historical invention is the blood thinner known as warfarin. That was a complete accident. Coming in at number six, I did not know this, was matches. The discovery of matches was a complete accident. And rounding out the top seven is none other than Coca-Cola. That is crazy to think that Coca-Cola was legitimately an accident. <laughs> now we are going to head into some motivation. 
the bread and butter of the podcast, if I do say so myself, one of the main inspirations behind me even starting this podcast, Talks with Taylor Hendricks on Brusosbrand.com. And honestly, I just really get to feel like I'm not only giving back, but also getting something in return every time I do stuff like motivation. Um, it really, I really feel like it brings us together in the way that I had hoped and intended when I said that I want all of us to be a part of tough conversations that allow us to be a part of someone else's survival guide. If we help even just one person, maybe even just ourselves, then all of it is worth it. And so this week, I want to round out what what we have been talking about for the last few months. We have been talking about becoming the best versions of ourselves. We have been talking about breaking generational curses and generational trauma to pass down generational wealth and prosperity, as well as becoming the adults that we needed as children. These are all super incredibly powerful and motivational things, but motivation is not the only part of this recipe, okay? You need consistency, and we talk about this almost every single week when I say that consistency will take you places that motivation alone cannot. If you only get up off the couch once, are you really going to have that six-pack of abs that you want? Um, if you are not willing to do the cold calls, are you really going to meet the sales metrics of what you're trying to accomplish? Probably not. That's why consistency will take you places that motivation alone by itself cannot. And a lot of times we have talked about how people have such a vested interest in our silence. And it's because of the point that I have brought up multiple times on this podcast, which is there are three types of people, okay? There are people that get in line for the reassuring lie because it's easy it's convenient and it's reassuring. I mean, it's in the title Um, and it's lazy and it's, you know, it's easy. It's everywhere. It's everywhere because ignorance is bliss, right? Then you got that second line, which is the people that are in line for the inconvenient truth because they have realized the detriment of the reassuring lie. They want to know what's really going on, why things are the way they are, and they're ready to make those changes with information that was possibly readily available, but they were choosing not to see it. And then, of course, there's the people that are undecided. They're trying to see which way the wind blows and, you know, are they really prepared for that inconvenient truth or would they rather get in line like a lot of other people for the reassuring lie? Because it's reassuring. It it makes everything not your fault, even if something is your fault. It, it, it's, it's like a warm hug, right, where that person hugging you back literally stabs you in the back and twists the knife so it nicks your kidneys. That's the line for the reassuring lie. But even if you know that, sometimes you still end up in that line because some people are just not ready for the inconvenient truth. These are the people that are undecided. These are the people that don't really live up to their potential because they're they're trying to, they're, they're just undecided, very wishy-washy. Okay, there are three lines of people. That's why some people have a vested interest in your silence because they want you to end up in the same position that they are to make them feel better about their own life choices and where their life is. And it's also limiting beliefs that they project onto other people because they have limiting beliefs of themselves. Like if they can't imagine uh, achieving what your dreams are, then there's no way that that you could, right? It's like a subtle put down. It's like a, a backhanded compliment, so to speak. Okay. It's its own language. Um, a lot of times we're surrounded by these people, but we become so desensitized that we don't realize that they have penetrated our own defenses, our own boundaries and our own environment and solely leaked all that poisonous negativity into our lives. This doesn't mean you can't be realistic, but you have to understand the power of positivity. Okay. Your mind 
your mouth, your manners, your mood, your money, everything. It all matters and it's all a part of your diet. A lot of people think diet is just your food and it's not. Your diet is who you surround yourself with. Your diet is how you think. Your diet is how you spend your money. Your diet is your mood. Your diet is your habits. Your diet is your, your manners, your mannerisms. Your diet is your mental self-talk. Your diet is so much more complex than just the food and drinks that you put in your body, okay? And that leads me to how people have the opportunity to achieve generational wealth and prosperity and become the best versions of themselves, but they squander it and they waste it. Um, and then they become some of the most toxic, bitter people that you will ever meet in this world. The people that, oh, nothing ever works out for me or, Oh, it's my mom's fault. It's my dad's fault. It's society's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's my ex's fault. At some point, we all have to learn to turn the finger on ourselves. Life isn't fair. So you've got to learn to play the way in which you want to play. Okay. It, if you were constantly the person that's like, oh, nothing ever works out for me. Well, guess what? Nothing ever will because that's what you keep telling yourself. Whether you think you can or you can't, either way, you're right. So why not start telling your mind a different narrative, a different story, okay? Because your mind does not know what's true unless you tell it, okay? So if you say, I am becoming the best version of myself enough times, you will believe it. If you say, this is my year to make serious changes, over and over and over, your brain will start to believe it. If you start start your day and end your day with basic information, your brain will eventually start to believe it. Remember, consistency will take you places that motivation alone cannot. If you start every day with affirmations about yourself, you'll be surprised at how much you start changing how you feel about yourself in a very positive way. And man, I've got Sally for all over my face. Um, and if you end every day with some positive things that you either achieved or learned in that day and put a positive spin on stuff that may have been negative from that day, you will realize how much your mindset and your life will change. You be, you become less, Oh, nothing ever works out for me. Everything's everybody else's fault to all of a sudden you are, Oh wow. Things are starting to work out for me. I am working really, really hard and I am so proud of who I am today. Which one would you rather have? I know the answer, but I can't want that more for you than you want it for yourself. So that brings me to the main point of today's motivation, which is the five M's. I implemented this in my life and I could not even put into words how much this has drastically changed my life and how I approach other people and situations and, and pretty much everything in my life. So here's the five M's. It is all about control. And that might sound like a bad word because of toxic femininity and, and everything else, but control can be a very positive thing. I do, I, we'll save that for a different day. All right, control. Number one, control your mouth, okay? The less information you give out, the less information people have to attack you with. Some things should stay private because there is a difference between private and secret. Private, the right people know. Secrets are dirty, okay? And uh, like that saying goes, two can speak of a secret if one is dead. Very toxic, very bad. Privacy is the best policy. Number two, control your mind, like we were just talking about. Whether you think you can or you can't, either way, you're right. So start thinking, I can, all right? Can't, I, I did this in my blog, I've done this on Twitter, Instagram, this YouTube channel. I've done this in articles everywhere because I firmly believe it. Can'ts, won'ts, and don'ts often sound very negative, very toxic. 
and people try to tell you what those should stand for in your life, but you have the pen to your life. Everybody else has a pencil because it's your life, not theirs. So shouldn't you be deciding what can'ts, won'ts, and don'ts stand for? That all starts with controlling your mind. I can't stop until I succeed. I won't sacrifice my integrity to achieve my goal, and I don't have time for negative people. Can'ts, won'ts, and don'ts, what they stand for should be entirely up to you. Train your brain. Number three, control your mood. All right, uh, you can't control anybody else. You can't control what anybody else says, anybody else does, how anybody else feels. The only thing you can, can do is control how you feel, how you react, and how you respond, okay? Every action and inaction has consequences. And a lot of times we allow people to have so much power over us that do not deserve that sort of power because they do not respect your boundaries, they do not respect who you are as a person. And a lot of times they have motives that are not aligned with your own. So control your mood. An emotionally, physically, and mentally stable person is capable of so much good in the world. And number four, control your manner, all right? If you are not a person that treats the CEO the same way as a janitor, then you have some manner problems, okay? Good manners are essential in every aspect of life, okay? That doesn't mean you're a chump and you have to accept people's you know, bad actions. It just means you can't control them, but you can control you. You can control your mouth, you can control your mind, you can control your mood, you can control your manners. Interact in your world with integrity, with manners. Respect yourself and eventually other people will respect you too. But all sorts of respecting yourself and that comes down to manners and habits. First you make your habits, then your habits make you and that is manners. Last but not least, control your money. All right, you work hard for your money. That's not a lie, right? We all work hard for our money, but not a lot of us know how to make our money work hard for us. We are not taught that in school, and that's what separates a lot of the poor and lower middle class from the rich. I didn't grow up rich, okay? I didn't, I was lower middle class, okay? Um, and at one point, we were poor, all right? But I sought out information from successful people and realized that a lot of successful people in so many different avenues all have very similar motives and habits and ideologies and so forth that end up contributing to their success. Whatever success that might be, whether it's football, whether it's business, whether it's real estate, whether it's investing, what, it doesn't matter what it is. They all have very similar attributes, but you have to go out and seek that information just like they did because they're not going to teach you that in school because they want you to stay beholden to the system. Don't blame the rich. Blame the fact that you didn't go out there and look for the information. It's out there. It's waiting for you. You just have to decide that you want it and actively go after it and get it. All right. Your money, you work hard for it, but it can also work hard for you. It's, it's, it's your choice. Okay. That's the difference between generational trauma, generational poverty, and generational wealth. All right, everybody. This has been the latest episode of the Talks with Taylor Hendricks podcast coming to you live every single Tuesday as part of the brand family on Russo's brand.com. Until next week.